Okay, well, bless you. Well, it was great fun having Robbie here. And uh, how many of you just out of interest attended one or more of the meetings there? Well, it looks like pretty much all of you. Some of you missed out. But we're hoping to get him back again. And, uh, uh, but we had just a phenomenal time. And it was great to see this place absolutely packed on the Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday night, too. So uh, we, we are, as I say, working on trying to get him come back. He's just a great guy. He's, he, he is what he is. You know, he's just a, somebody who loves Jesus, can't stop talking about him, and really believes that God does what he says he does in the book. Someone shout, What's, what am I supposed to say now? Yes. yes. Okay, somebody shout. Doesn't have it. Just say yes, all right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Nothing about that. I like the ogre best, I think. Okay. Um, before I pitch in, I'm going to pray, and we're going to start a new series called uh, Day and Night Until. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to preaching this, but I just want to do my own little plug. Uh, in a fortnight's time, Fliss and I were so excited about this, we'll be joining with our PCPs, that's short for Potential Church Planters, for our residential weekend. And... Um, Ritson and Ian Statler, who help us with this program, you know, that's sort of generating our, our future church planters, said, well, why don't we open up one of the days, because we've got some great speakers, being, Rick and Lula Williams are coming to, to share with us. And so, uh, why don't we open one of these days up so that if, if you have a kind of an itch, or a think, or a thought, or a wonder if, or would like to explore the possibility of being involved in a church plant, um, then, uh, you know, come along and just hang out with us and, and uh, we would we'll love to welcome you. Now, not for the whole thing, but just for the Saturday. And I noticed these got slipped in last week. These will probably, where are these now, darling? If, uh, they'll be on the welcome desk, will they? So on the welcome desk, it's called, called Exploring Church Leadership. And what we're inviting you to do is to spend the Saturday with us. Um, it's, uh, there's a, it's at a local conference center. It's going to cost 20 pounds for the day. And you would be more than welcome to just hang out. So go and get that from the uh, welcome desk and, and follow the instructions and, and, and meet us there. We would, we would love to do that. Okay, let me just pray now. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you to you because uh, there are so many good things to celebrate, so many things to give thanks for. But most of all, we thank you for you. We thank you, Lord God, for you are... Our Savior, you are the Sovereign Lord, you are the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and yet you have revealed yourself to us as Abba Father. And we are profoundly grateful, indeed we will be eternally grateful, and so we thank you now for your presence here. And I ask, Lord God, as we start this new series, uh, that, Lord God, you will enable us, each one of us who shares, to speak with clarity and authority, uh, but most of all, most of all, we ask that uh, we would speak with, uh, in a manner that is effective, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Now, many of you know, uh, if you've been coming here for any length of time, that at the beginning of the month, we change what we call the watch. And uh, today, I wanted to just tell you a little bit about that. How many of you, this is a little test, know what this is? I only expect uh, there's one hand, two three, four, five, half a dozen maybe, yes. This is a little uh, watchman, a little watchman trophy. And 20, nearly 25 years ago, when we were feeling that the church needed to really take uh, hold of the whole ministry of intercession, prayer and intercession, uh, I was praying one day and the Lord gave me Isaiah 62, verses six and seven. In fact, we, we, I read through the whole of Isaiah 62. And uh, 
Verses six and seven say this. That will throw it up on the screen, thank you. It says this, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and make her the pra- makes her the praise of the earth. And there was this call to prayer, and at the time, I don't suppose the church, there was probably more, no more than 40 people in the church, but we did then what we do every Sunday now, and, uh, and this series takes its title from that, cry out to the Lord day and night until, keep persisting in prayer and intercession, keep pressing on in into the presence of God, keep doing that until God brings the salvation which he has promised he will bring, be persistent in that. And so as you know, month by month, we pray as we did 25 years ago. And in those days, we looked for about 12 people every month. And we had 12 of these little things. And this is the only one left. And it's mine. So hands off. And all the others have been nicked. Because you can't trust Christians, can you? Or can you? you know, they've just, if it's not screwed down, it gets nicked. So have you got one of those? Have you got one? You cheeky monkey. So this isn't the only one, but there are a few of them. <laughs> These are going to probably be valuable one day, I, I guess. So throughout this series, I'm going to put that there, and I beg you not to move it. I beg you not to pinch it, okay? But basically, the Lord told me to do, make a little trophy. And the thinking behind it was, was in Israel in the early days, when they came into Jordan, when they took over the Promised Land, they used to build cairns, you know, piles of stones. And the thinking was... When you saw that, you would be reminded of what God had done in that place. And you'd be prompted to worship, and you'd be prompted to praise, and prompted to thank, and prompted to ask God to continue and fulfill his promises. And so the thinking in those days when we produced these, and God literally told me how to, you know, what to do, was that the watchman would have one of these kind of staring at them on top of the TV. So, you know, instead of watching TV, you'd think, oh, I better go and do some more intercession then. You know, that was the thought. Well, we have two of them, I hear, uh, and this is one of them, so let's just leave that there. But there's a little bit of background, a bit of story to this Watchman ministry, and so we're going to begin this new series on prayer and intercession by setting up the watch for this month. And the request and requirement is just the same. The requirement is that you, you put aside 10 minutes every day or more if you can. You, you schedule that time in. You, you make that time. You can do it on the train going up to town. You can... Do it during your lunch break, your coffee break, or at some other time, but you, you, you work out when in your busy schedule, and we all have busy schedules, when are you going to be able to do this? So there's a scheduling element. There's a self-discipline element. And then we ask that you would pray and ask God that he would cause us to grow up spiritually, like we, that we might grow up to be Christ-like, that we would mature in our faith, and that we would not just be shallow Christians, but have a deep and profound rooting in him. Secondly, we ask that we would learn to love one another. It says in the scriptures, Jesus said, he said, that the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. So we talk about learning to love one another because the idea of loving one another is an attractive one, but the reality, as we all know, is challenging and difficult. You know, we we rub each other up the wrong way, and so we ask God to, to help us to learn to love one another. 
In the book of Philippians, it says that love covers a multitude of sins, Philippians 4. And so we want to bring the love that we have in Christ into a situation so that we can, with grace and forgiveness, release, release people and not hold grudges and, and witter on about them behind their backs, etc. And then thirdly, three elements in this watchman thing. We ask that God would provide for our needs, that he would provision us in such a way that we might be able to do that which he has called us to do. So it's those three things, become more Christ-like, learn to love one another, and provision us. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit now just to give you a little dig in the ribs, and hopefully there'll be more than a dozen who will feel prompted to pray along those lines for 10 minutes or more every day this month, and we'll stand and I'll pray a blessing, and then we'll get into the teaching. Heavenly Father, thank you. This was something that you instigated. This is something that goes on to this very day. And we thank you for those who've been faithful in crying out to you day and night until you establish your work in our land. Thank you for the February watchman. Now we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come among us and that you would nudge us in this season of growth and development, of great challenge, great opportunity, that you, Lord God, would, would raise up among us those to intercede and to cry out day and night until. Come, Holy Spirit. Now just raise your hand now if you sense that little prompting to be one of the watchmen this month. Stand in a long line of watchmen. Father, thank you for those who are raising their hands here. We ask your blessing upon them. We ask that you'd keep them. Sometimes it gets a bit drafty up there on the walls, the watch walls. Keep them safe. Keep their families safe, their jobs, their cars, their kids safe, their loved ones safe. But Lord, cause them to be faithful, crying out to you at your invitation for the kingdom of God to come among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, many of you know, actually, that we started this teaching in our call to prayer um, beginning of the year, and uh, so many of you came back to me. It was quite surprising. I was actually, first of all, I was surprised how many people were in that meeting. The room was rammed, the very first one. I think we had, uh, someone told me we had 60 or so people, and, and, and when that kind of happens, you think, God is doing something. This is something different, a little different, and and so we, we did some teaching, and, and then following that, so many people came back and said, I've never heard teaching on intercession. I have never heard any teaching on intercession. And to my shame, I have to admit that it's a long time since we've taught on intercession. And so, you know, it didn't take us much to realize that we needed not just to sort of, you know, do that at the call to prayer, but we needed to teach the church about prayer, and particularly the distinctions between, you know, uh, devotional prayer and intercessory prayer. There is a distinction between the two. And really, in this series, what we want to focus on is what Scripture regards as intercession. Now, next week, um, R Richard and Mark are going to share the teaching on this. Next week, I think uh, we've got Mark coming up, and he's going to actually, just to help bring clarity, He's going to do a bit of an outline about what is biblical devotional prayer. That means our personal prayer. That's part of our, our, our you know, the thing that makes our heart beat. You know, what, what is that about and what does that look like? But there is a whole ministry 
of prayer, which we call intercession, which is really working with God. You know, some people come along and say to me, from time to time, fairly regularly, if you're any pastor will get this question, um, uh, people come along and they say, uh, I just want to do what God wants me to do, you know. And I, so I usually say, well, what has he said to you? You know, what are your inclinations? And there's often a lot of confusion. Only this week I was praying with somebody who was actually weeping. They just want to do what God does, but they didn't know. Well, in that case, there's an easy answer. Because we read in the scripture that Jesus is himself interceding for us. We read in the scripture that, that, the, that the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, is interceding for us. We might, if we have time, look at that this morning a little bit more. So the work of God today is intercession. Now, isn't that weird? That, that is such a strange thing because what are we saying there? We're saying that God is praying. You mean he's talking to himself? You know, how weird is that? And I think if we were to sort of think about helps and hindrances, I want to spend a few minutes just talking about helps and hindrances. When it comes to hindrances, why we don't pray, the first one may well be, well, what's the point? I don't get it. I don't understand. You know, God, God, it, there's plenty of scriptures we could go to where, where God says, you know, pray. But why? What's that about? And what's this Jesus praying and, and the Holy Spirit praying? Well, I have to come absolutely clean here. In some sense here, there is a mystery. Why should God bother with me and my little prayers, even if it's for world peace and, you know, whatever? Why should God bother with that? Why does it matter? Why does he seem to want to uh, draw us into that place where we talk to him about the things that, you know, he already knows about? It seems a waste of time. And I've had many a conversation over the years where people have confided me with a, with just with a certain air of wonder. You know, I, I don't get it. You know, I pray, I do. I pray, say my prayers. You know. but I sometimes wonder, I, you know, what's it about? I, I, I think I believe God hears me, but why? Why are we doing that? What is that doing? Well, there is a mystery here. And as I've thought about it, and as I've talked about it, and I've prayed and studied about it over the years, I, I think I've come to realize that, that actually, prayer and intercession are as much as anything about the foolishness of God. Let me explain. The foolishness of God. But when I get to heaven, when all is revealed, when we find ourselves in his presence, in the presence of the angels, you know what? suddenly it's going to make incredible sense. We're going to be in glory and suddenly going to go, oh my gosh, I didn't really, wow. And suddenly what was foolishness, talking to yourself on earth, suddenly becomes the wisdom of God. Paul talks about the gospel being foolishness to those not being saved, but wisdom to those who are. You know, strangely enough, this, this isn't so... You know, I was struggling for an illustration this morning, and then something popped into my mind, which I hope is, is the Lord. It's not so very different to the way young people sometimes approach their schooling and education. How many of us, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of us, when we were going through our, 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 our school, our, you know, secondary school, thought, you know, what's the point? 
What's the point? I'm never going to use flipping geography. I couldn't care less about Henry VIII, you know? I'm never going to be a physicist. I'm never going to do... What's the point? I'm going to do a bunk. You know, the errant schoolboy or schoolgirl who just doesn't get it, doesn't make sense. It's not practical. It's not interesting. It's boring. Prayer is sometimes boring. But how many of those students, and maybe you were one of them, when they hit 30 and some, when they've got a a wife or a husband, when they've got a, a couple of kiddies, suddenly they wish they hadn't wasted their schooling. Because now they're in sort of middle management in some sort of small engineering company, and they've done rather well because they've worked hard and they've applied themselves, but they know that they will never be able to take it to the next level. And now they get it. Oh, my gosh, I wish I hadn't done a bunk and gone off to Watford and mucked around the Harlequin Centre and been chased out by the security guards. And just... Now they have wisdom. But at the time, it was like foolishness. All I know is this, is that Jesus said to his disciples, when you pray, what does that tell you? It's not rocket science. That the Son of God regarded it as a priority when you pray. When you pray. So it may seem boring. It may seem foolishness. It may seem we don't understand it. But wait and see. When we get to heaven, oh my gosh. Well, we wish we'd prayed, okay? So the first thing is actually we're not convinced that it's really doing anything, to be perfectly honest. The second thing, the second hindrance is this confusion between devotion and intercession. And I've been in many an intercessory meeting where, I tell you, it's like a dog, dog skating around on ice. Have you seen dogs on ice on a lake? You know, their legs are going like this all over the place. And it's a bit like that in some prayer meetings I've been in, where I think, you know, one minute somebody's sort of, you know, doing this wonderful psalm-like devotional thing, and the next minute we're praying for the nations of the earth, and the next thing we're praying for the government, and then the next thing it's about so-and-so's poorly leg, and it's all over the place. And there's a lot of confusion about what is what and which is the other. And over the course of this series, we hope to bring some clarity to that. The third thing, uh, uh, in terms of hindrance, is that, is that we actually don't know what to say. Even if we're you know, on the, in that, that glorious phase of our, of our spiritual life, and I'm pleased to be saying that I'm in one of those at the moment, where I'm just so enjoying God's presence and so enjoying his love and so appreciative of his mercy and getting so much out of his, his word. And, you know, there's many desert times when it's not like that. I'm just in a good time at the moment. And I want to pray and I want to do this. But when it comes to it, you know, I'll settle down and I'll get my Bible and I'll get a cushion and I'll light a candle and I'll put some sort of ambient music on and it'll all be sort of like that. And then I'll think, did I leave the oven on? And then I'll go and do that. And then I'll think, oh, I wonder if I should just look at that email. And all these kind of distractions come in. And, 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 you know, and the truth is that as I begin to start, I, I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray. 
I don't have the insight, the, the words. What does God want me to do now? You know, God bless David Cameron, Lord, and Ed Miliband, Nicol Munt. Amen. Sorted. What does God want to do? For me, an intercessor is distinct from a devotional uh, prayer, for devotional prayer, in that an intercessor, if you like, like a watchman, stands in the gap between God and man, or God and man and woman. The intercessor stands in that place between God and man and prays on behalf of others. And doesn't just bring the concerns of man, but the intercessor learns how to listen as much as to pray. Because the intercessor is listening to the heartbeat of God. Father, what are your concerns? I found a wonderful little verse this morning, I think, uh, the other day rather, in, in I think Psalm 85, where it says, The Lord confides, the Lord confides in his children. Wouldn't you love the Lord to confide in you? You see, for those who will devote some time, schedule it in, if you like, to coming into his presence and to wait on him, to to hear the heartbeat of God, and you have to stay quiet for a little while to hear the heartbeat of God, but as you do that and as you begin to get in touch with his compassion and his mercy and, and his priorities, so what begins to happen then is you begin to see how that relates to this and suddenly you find yourself in the gap, and Richard is going to preach on this in a couple of weeks' time, although he doesn't know it yet. The real spiritual giants of our faith have been men and women who have stood in the gap between God and man and said, as, said in effect, Lord, thank you for blessing me But forgive me, Lord, it is not enough that you bless me. Lord, you are a sovereign, righteous, holy, and loving God. Thank you for loving me, and thank you for blessing me and blessing my kids. But Lord, it isn't enough. It is in your nature, Lord God, to bless them too. And you make it personal. You intercede. You stand in the gap between God and man. That is at the heart of the intercessor. There's something sacrificial about it. No wonder the Christ, our Savior, Jesus, who bore the sins of the world upon the cross, don't you know? No wonder that he is still interceding for us. He stands before the Father with with uplifted hands, and the Father sees those wounds in his hands, and Jesus cries out for his church and says, Father, in wrath, remember mercy. Jesus himself says in Luke 10, is it or 11? He says, if you, a father, knows how to give good gifts to your children, though you are evil, how much more will the Father give good gifts to those who love him? So when Jesus, the intercessor Christ, the servant Christ, stands in the midst with hands upraised and pierced hands and says, Father, forgive them, the Father can't get round those pierced hands in his beloved Son. And how can he deny Jesus? So the intercessor stands in the gap 
We have moved a few clicks beyond my daily prayer, which is, oh God, may there be a parking space down by the Waffle House so that I can go on a prayer walk. I do pray it, and it's okay. So intercessory prayer is a high calling. It is a divine calling. If you've ever wondered what God is doing and how you could do that to start interceding, and you will be doing the work of God you will have that divine calling on this earth. It ennobles you. You find yourself walking the royal way. You can hold your head up in the courts of the king because on this side of the earth, you realize what God was about. Let me now just spend a little time just thinking about the assets we have, the helps. First of all, let's, I mentioned the Holy Spirit. We've obviously been focusing on the Holy Spirit a lot recently. And the Holy Spirit just helped me to convey this. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, I think it is, says this. It says this, in the same way, I haven't got time to backtrack. You'll have to read it, Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You feel weak, you feel tired, you feel distracted, you feel burdened. You feel obligated because you put your hand up to be a watchman for this month. You know, oh my gosh, why did I do that? You know. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Isn't that encouraging that others felt the same way before us? Right there, back in the first century, there were others who said, I don't know what to pray. <laughs> we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Bit of a mystery what that means. But the Spirit steps in and says, come on, let me help you here. And he, he who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit knows God's heart. The Spirit knows our heart. He stands in the midst. He brings us together so there is connection. The Spirit of God himself is inviting you to get to grips with intercession, intercession for this church, this region, this nation. For 25 years, myself and a dozen or so pastors have met every Wednesday morning and interceded, we're from various backgrounds, interceded with God for the spiritual welfare and health of this city and region. 25 years, and still it goes on. Still it goes on. The Spirit knows the heart of God. The Spirit knows the heart of men and women. The Spirit helps us in our weakness and brings them together so that we may pray the prayers that God wants to hear. Now, if you're parents, you will know that there are times when the kids just get on your nerves a bit, and it's not that actually they're being unreasonable, but you're a bit tired and all the rest of it, and they run in, they say, have I got something to eat? Is it when's tea time and all this kind of thing? And, and you say the same old thing, oh, will you please take your shoes off before you look at the, and so on and so forth, just daily life. But once in a blue moon, once in a blue moon, a child will crawl up onto your lap and snuggle up and say, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Mom. And it won't be because it's what we call cupboard love. 
there'll just be that lovely gift of affection. And when it comes around to Mother's Day in a couple of weeks' time, you mums, I hope, will be in bed and then suddenly the door will burst open and there'll be some little tot with a tray and a, a flower and a bowl of cornflakes which is getting spilt all over the place. But you'll, you'll go, ah, thank you, darling. When the child becomes otherly and just seeks to bless you, just for a fleeting moment, you can run for a week on that. You can run for a week on it. And God is looking for a people who are actually not just, oh God, I'm going for this interview and if I don't get this contract and blah, blah, blah. You know, all of that's appropriate. But he's also looking for us to find ourselves in the presence of God to, so that we can come to say to him, what, what, what is it, Father? Why are you, Father, why is my spirit restless? Why is your spirit restless? What's on your mind, Father? Is, what can I do? And then it'll come to you. Ring Shirley. Ring Shirley? I haven't spent her age. Ring Shirley. And you ring Shirley. And Shirley says, Margaret, how did you... That's so weird, and then bursts into tears. You see, when you start drawing into the Lord's presence and trying to find out what is on his heart, you are beginning to do the work of an intercessor. You can be his hands and feet. You can, you can do his works, and you can pray back to him the prayers he's wanting to hear from his church. And if we don't pray them, who will? Who will? The spirit prays with groans too deep for understanding. Intercessors know that when they pray, when they pray, they would be well advised to use the language of heaven. What is the language of heaven? The gift of tongues? Well, maybe. I use that commonly. But I would put it to you that the language of heaven is actually scripture itself. I could spend a whole morning just doing a study on the language of heaven. I'll give you one little example which may surprise you. When uh, Jesus was duking it out with Satan in the desert following his baptism, what language did they resort to to parry with one another? The scripture. This is the language of heaven. And all too often we see the, the Bible as a, a book of comfort, a book of mystery, a book of poetry, a book of story, and a book of narrative, a, a, a book of catalog, a book of lists, all sorts of things. But all too often we do not see it as a prayer book. Do you know our spiritual forebears understood that the Bible was a prayer book? In the 21st century we have lost this as a prayer book. Now, we're going to be teaching you over the next few weeks in various points about models of prayer and types of intercessory prayer. But let me give you an A101 that you could even use this afternoon if you had the time or the wit or the will to do it. Um, 
honestly, I could probably, well, I could, I've done it before, I could say somebody shout a verse of scripture out. I'm not gonna do that. I did prep this beforehand. It's sort of blue Peter. Here's one I prepared earlier, okay? Psalm 85, language of heaven. What I'm trying to do here is, is to give you a tool to begin intercession, intercession today. Not the long shopping lists. They play a part. But I want to give you a tool. I want you to see Scripture differently. So Psalm 85. Um, sorry, I did say 23. Can you, can you whack that up, James? Is it too much to ask? It doesn't matter if you can't, but... If you can, it'd be great. So Psalm 85, and I would say to you, begin with the Psalms. The Psalms is full of devotional prayer, and Mark will be teaching on that, but it is also full of intercessory prayer, or scripture you can use as intercessory prayer. So the first few verses of this, uh, Psalm 85 says, you, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of uh, your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned your fierce, away from your fierce anger. Let's just stop with that. So you begin intercessory prayer as the psalmist does, almost invariably, whatever he's coming to God for, whatever he's wanting to express with a remembrance of who God is and of what he's done. All too often we forget what God has done. That's why journaling is so helpful. It keeps us grateful. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What has God done for you? You know, we're all very fervent about prayers. Oh God, oh God, oh God, let little Johnny get into the boys' school or whatever it is. Please, 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 God. And then, oh, he's in, oh, thank God for that. And we're off to the next thing. We're fervent in our prayers before the event, but it says in the scriptures, do not forget what God has done. And here we have it. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. Lord, you have blessed us. You've given us this land of Israel, a land flowing with milk and honey. You have brought us, Father, to this place. Unit 10, as it was then, Bricknell Park, the promised land. You have shown us favor, O God. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. Thank you, Lord, that you have showed us favor. Thank you that you restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. Again, you turn it around. You do a switcheroo. Not an elegant phrase, but one I use. You, do, you turn the statement into a, a, a prayer of thanksgiving. Lord God, you forgave the iniquity of your people. You have covered all their sins. You have set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. And that ties in, of course with so much of the scripture, so much of the emphasis of the New Testament where God's judgment against us is just, there is a case to answer for, but what happens? Mercy triumphs over judgment in the cross of Christ. That's our experience. Every single one of us here is worthy, well, worthy, is should be judged, but as followers of Christ, we have escaped judgment because mercy has triumphed over judgment. So here we have something that's tying in 
to our understanding of the scriptures. Just the opening verses, you Lord showed favor, thank you for that. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity, you've covered all their sins, you've set aside all your wrath and you've turned from your fierce anger. What you have done is that you have honored God for who he is. Oh God, not, please just fix this, please. No, no, hang on. Don't burst into the courts of the king. You approach the king with reverence, with awe, with humbleness, humility, with thanksgiving, with praise, with worship. And as that happens, an exchange takes place. As that happens, you suddenly find yourself in the presence of an awesome and loving God with a track record of grace and goodness towards you. You have reminded yourself, you have honored him, and now, We bring our requests. Oh, restore us again, oh God. Put away your displeasure towards us. We've messed up, Lord God. This nation has turned its heart away from you, Lord God. You showed great favor to this nation, to our Victorian forebears. They sent missionaries to every corner of the world, missionaries who who went out with their belongings packed in a coffin. This is true. Because A, they did not expect to return. B, they expected to die there. And three, they were willing to pay the price. The Victorians did that. And for all the colonialism and all the horrors of it, the gospel went to the nations. But where are we now? You can can lose your job for wearing a cross in the bank. And oh, for heaven's sake, let's not upset the Muslims. Oh my gosh, we've come a long way. We're under judgment as a nation, folks. But God is looking for men and women who will stand in the gap, remembering who God is. His heart is breaking for the blindness and the darkness around us. And he's looking for men and women who will intercede using the language of heaven, who will set aside time, who will remember who God is and what he's done, and then say, but Lord... In wrath, in your righteous wrath, oh God, remember mercy. Restore, oh God, the fortunes of this land. Restore, oh Lord. Now there's the heart of an intercession. I don't have time to develop it more now. Somebody cry out, I'll just do this very quickly. Somebody give me just a verse of scripture off the top of your head. Uh, What? For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I think the other one was a lovely Matthew thing. Okay, so there's, there's a promise. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to... Uh, failure to give you a hope in the future, Jeremiah 33, 3. We can turn that into an intercessory tool. Oh God, sovereign Lord. God, you are high and lifted up. Oh God, you have plans and purposes for every single one of us. Ephesians 2, one is it or two. Oh God, you have plans and purposes. Oh Lord God, confide in me. Oh God, confide in us. What are your plans and your purposes for St. Albans Vineyard? 
Oh God, reveal your heart to us. What's that? You want us to put a bowling rink in across the road? I never would have thought it. A bowling. Oh God, just give us the resources to build a bowling rink. I'm, I'm messing it up. But do you see what I'm saying? God expects us to say, Lord, 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 is, what time is tea? Oh, sorry, I forgot. I came in. I hadn't washed my hands. I hadn't washed my feet. I came in with a dirty heart. But oh, Lord, I'm so, when is tea? The intercessor doesn't do that. Intercessor stands in the gap between God and man. He knows about the nature of God. He comes with humility. And he stands in a, in a drafty place because sometimes you have to observe the wrath of God. You have to see the, the heat of God's fierce anger and judgment against a nation and stand there. And when every fiber of your being is wanting to flee from God's presence, not press into God's presence, you say, oh God, in wrath remember mercy. And you know what the father does at that moment? He leans back on his throne, tips his head, and he says to his son, who's now seated at his right hand, that's my boy. That's my boy. God is looking for a people after his own heart, not after our own heart. Let's pray. Let's have the worship team come back up, please. Father God, as we go into these deeper things, and it may be too much for some, but as we go into these deeper things, we pray, Lord God, that you would confide in us that you would find in us people of courage, people of, who will take that, the time to, to seek your face for your own dear sake. And that, Lord God, you would teach us and that you would guide us and that you would help us. That we might become a people after your own heart and a people who undergirds all the mighty things that we're going to attempt in your name with the warp and weft, the very fabric of prayer and intercession. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Watch that.